0: I'm Elena Landsberg-Lewis, your host of Grandmothers on the Move, the podcast that kicks old stereotypes to the curb. Come meet these creative, outrageous, authentic, adventurous, irreverent and powerful disruptors and influencers. Grandmothers, from the living room to the courtroom, making powerful contributions in every walk of life. We know them most intimately as loving caregivers, the older women in our lives with a thousand stories about their grandchildren and pictures in their purses. In this podcast, you'll come to know even more about our grandmothers. They are galvanized, determined, and are guaranteed to get you thinking. What drives them? What are they up to? What is the potential of grandmother power, and how is it changing the world? Grandmothers are on the move. You don't want to be left behind. Hi, it's Ilana Landsberg-Lewis. Welcome back to Grandmothers on the Roo. And today I have a very special and dear friend, Edna Aquino, who is a feminist human rights activist from the Philippines. I first met you, Edna, when you were working at Amnesty, previously as the campaign coordinator for Asia Pacific. But then when we worked together, it was around the awareness that you were bringing to Amnesty and to the international community around women's rights in particular, and bringing that into the struggle for human rights around the world for women. So welcome, Edna. It's wonderful to have you.
1: Thank you, Ilana. It's my pleasure. And it's a very exciting age to be meeting you again, but this time as a grandmother. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's right. Wonderful to come full circle. I wanted to start by saying that one of the things that brought me to you now and that I was excited about talking to you about was that, of course, we're friends on Facebook. And I started to notice that you were posting very interesting articles and activist initiatives in the name of Lolas, which I know is what you call grandmothers in the Philippines, and that you had Lolas marching and Lolas engaged in different human rights initiatives and the march where there were children joining you and they were holding signs talking about the power of Lolas. What started you down that road of talking to people, talking to people on Facebook, talking to people in your community, your country, from the perspective of a Lola?
1: Well, first of all, I think the, the very first motivation came from my being a grandmother or being a Lola. I have three grandparents children, all girls. It has been a very exciting period and also a very challenging new role for me to be a grandparent to three girls being brought up in a very different cultural context which is the UK. It's so different from the context when I was a mother bringing up my children here in the Philippines. In the Philippines, there's a lot of respect towards the grandparents. I was trying to compare, for instance, the privileges of Saint your citizens in this country with those in the UK and I think that we do have a lot of advantages here that one would not necessarily find in societies like in the UK. It doesn't mean though that those privileges filter down to the lower income or to, to the marginalized sectors because at the end of the day you can only enjoy those privileges if you have the means to access. And I think there's also about my journey as an activist where I'm one of those who likes to say that I've been there and I've done that, so what else can I do? <laughs> and- One authentic contribution I can make in this generation of social movements here in the Philippines would be to engage with the younger activists, share my insights about how we did it before, but also to listen to their own struggles and to their own insights about how it's so different in their generation now, especially given the premium being given to information technology where everything is accessible. There is relatively more freedom of movement And they wanted to know, how was it during your time? How did you organize the artists? How do you deal with struggles within the collective? Uh, How do you deal with even relationships, intimate relationships? So many questions that I find out the young generation are so keen to hear from us. But we have never created the space by which these insights can be shared with them and can be used to further enrich their passion for social change. Because of my disability, because I have chronic asthma, I cannot really go out too much as I used to do. I spend most of my time indoors. I became very active in social media, especially on Facebook. So I thought, why not start a page on Lola Activista? It's still very, very much in its infancy stage, but I thought I'll just create this page and I'll just keep on putting stuff there, and hopefully, in the process, I will be able to generate an audience, and then I can be more systematic and I. Can can be more strategic in terms of where the direction by which this Lola activista can take.
0: Are other Lolas coming to you and joining you in this already? Yes,
1: yes. So from then on, I think there are about a dozen of us now Wonderful. Um, that are now talking about what we can do. But as I said just last night, it's a roundtable meeting of five Lolas. I find out that what interests them most to talk about would be their journalists as activists the critique of the movement, where we came from, or what interests them most would be to go through that healing process of their own pain that they may have experienced uh, during the earlier period as activists, which probably have not had any closure. And so they needed an affirmation that it is okay that you've left the movement. It's okay. Don't feel guilty about that. You know, we carve our own journeys in lives. But at the same time, there is the desire to be able to contribute. But, and there are those Lolas who never had background of activism. And they just want to do something. They're so fired up. They're fearless. They have no boundaries in terms of what they can do. Nothing holds them back. So these are the kind of conversations I'm having right
0: now. It's so interesting. You're saying things that I've heard before from other grandmothers in other contexts about the different moments that grandmothers are in their journey around activism, around engagement with social justice, and around engagement with the younger generation. And I wonder, you know, you've been an activist since you were in your early teen years. You've always been engaged in social justice issues, both now national, and international. How do you feel now as a grandmother in the ways that you engage with activism? Has it changed for you since you were a younger woman?
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, at so many levels. The most obvious one is access to information. Even if you were an activist during my time, you didn't have any consciousness about sexuality, control over our bodies. I can see a dramatic change. There's more equality in terms of voice, on the basis of gender and also on the basis of age. Of course, there's still a lot of reverence to given to people in positions of power. But I think there's more consciousness in the movement around power dynamics. We didn't have that during my time. We were not conscious about that. We didn't challenge power within the movement.
0: Right. And one of the things you said uh, when you were talking about your meeting with the Lolas struck me. You talked about them being even the ones who had not been activists their whole lives, that they came to these conversations with a fearlessness.
1: Yeah, but I have to qualify this. The women... The, the lawless who have this sense of fearlessness, no boundaries. These are women belonging to a certain class, meaning a certain privilege in life. The lolas of my age, but have not really overcome hardships in life, especially economic. They're still very much in a dire situation of existence on a daily basis. And that's where I'm still struggling with because I consider myself a woman of privilege, having lived and worked abroad, having saved some, something for my aging needs. But the lolas my age who were left behind, who have been activists here, many have been tortured, many have been imprisoned. And they're still in the same economic status as when I left them. Their choices in life are so limited. Many of them are now taking care of their grandchildren with very little support system and still very much dependent on the movement to provide for them. They, th- they have very little choice to look after their own needs and interests as individuals, never mind as
0: Lola. As a Lola activista, what are the kinds of issues that you are wanting to focus on?
1: Right now, as an activist, I'm ho- I'm putting a lot of energy in terms of Being part of the resistance movements against Duterte, which is now a world-renowned tyrannical ruler. So that's where my focus is. But on the side, I'm networking with grandmothers my age, creating spaces for small, intimate conversations like what I had last night. And I also create spaces to be in touch with uh, young activists. That's my plan for next year, to link up the lolas with the mint, to help out the lolas that are in need of support. So there's a kind of solidarity that can be created between and amongst lolas. You know, what can we do with the grandmothers of the victims of extrajudicial killings? What can we do with grandmothers of those who have been in prison and there are Lola still in detention they've been there for years illegally charged
0: what are they charged with Edna why are there Lola uh, prison they,
1: they were criminalized but they were activists they were involved in the underground and they got arrested and so they were charged with criminal cases
0: and can you so, tell me a bit about that
1: there is an underground movement in the Philippines led by the Communist Party of the Philippines they waged armed struggle during the time of Marcos that was the only option activists then which is to go underground because everything is illegal anything right. to do with basic freedoms right you know we're considered Illegal. But after the Marcos regime had been removed from power, the revolutionary movement continued with its organizing work, with its armed struggle. A number of them got arrested during the latter presidencies. They were charged with criminal cases. For instance, one Lola that I have I visited in prison was arrested. The captors planted guns in their possession. So she was arrested and charged with illegal possession of her. She was charged of having been involved in, in the killing of an individual. And so she has been there in the penitentiary for women for um, more than 10 years now. So the son that she left behind is, is now a young man with having his own family. So she's a Lola and she's still there. If I go to the records of the human rights organization that's looking after those in detention, I think there's there are several of them Lolas still in prison. So that's another area that's a very challenging area of
0: Right. And because, of course, when you're in a context of an oppressive regime, there are activists of all ages, you do find that women are often at the heart of a lot of these resistance movements and, of course, languish in prison even after those regimes are deposed. So it seems to me it's a pretty powerful thought to stand in solidarity with them but also give visibility to the sacrifices they made. Mm. The fact that they're still suffering, even how the regime has changed, but also that uh, we're talking about grandmothers. We're talking about women who have devoted their lives to the struggle for democracy and social justice. Because so often when you hear about political prisoners, you very often think about men who have been leaders of these movements and who are arrested uh, in demonstrations. I don't think that the first thing that comes to mind is Lola's being taken
1: away. Yeah, and you know, criminal justice system does not have any respect when it comes to age. Contrary to what I described earlier, that as part of our culture, there's a lot of respect to elders, but not when you come into contact with law. Because right. then there's really no regard, hardly any regard for your age if you're a lolo law law or a lola you. In fact, if you're in that age and if you're in that situation, that's where the real crunch comes. Because, you know, your special needs as a senior person does not come into play anymore. It's a very problematic notion of privilege of senior citizen. You have that privilege, as I mentioned earlier, if you have the means to access to those privileges. But if you come into contact with law, all of those mean nothing whether you're a lolo or a much younger person, but more so if you're an aging person, because then, you know, you have needs that need to be provided for, even in prison.
0: And to shift to to the younger people in your life, how do you talk to your granddaughters about Lolas who are in prison, Lolas who are on on the front lines of activism, what it has cost you in your life and the other Lolas that you get together when you talk about their pain and the sacrifices that they've made. How do you talk to your granddaughters about their life with social justice and activism?
1: Because my grandchildren, though, they are in the UK and I'm in the Philippines. I rely a lot on the social media to communicate with them. The two older granddaughters, the 14 and the 9-year-old, they know that their Lola is an activist. Okay. So, yeah, since they were young, I really try to inject values that I cherish a lot, uh, about caring for others, uh, gender issues, teaching them about empowerment, expressing themselves. Uh, when you go to the museum, you explain to them as much as you can things that they see from a gender perspective. For instance, there was uh, an exhibit in the British Museum about Japanese women. And so I had to explain to them the background of the role of Japanese women in society, etc. So, I think they are pretty much aware of where I'm coming from. But I also am very, very mindful that these things have to be shared to them in a way that is not imposing on them. No. So it has to there has to be a balance of humor, seriousness, on things that I would share with them. Um, I found out that if, even with the young activists that I relate with here in the Philippines, I realize storytelling and humor are very important ingredients to have a very good, enriching conversation with them. Right. They like to hear from you when you are reflecting and you combine it with self-deprecating humor. (laughs) You can laugh at yourself. They, They enjoy that kind of conversation they really turn off when you come in with a know-it-all kind of person that you always have an answer right. for every for every matter that you know <laughs> that comes into the conversation. Right. They like to be asked also, "What do you think?"
0: It's wonderful to hear your reflections at that, and I want to come back to you in a few months and see how you yeah. progressed in this work with the lolos around you I yeah. think that it has incredible potential and all of the wisdom and experience that you have I have no doubt that some, something powerful will come of it
1: I also must thank you because since you got in touch with me I've been thinking about it I, I keep on thinking what else can I do apart from initiatives here and there it has given me the, the impetus to start thinking more systematically in terms of what can I achieve in two years time around Lola Activista and I think things are becoming clear in my mind especially after last night's conversation that I realized okay, I, I, there's actually no homogenous group of Lola Activistas at the end of the day. <laughs> right. So there's a variation of needs and motives by which I could engage them, bringing them together. Even just uh, six of them who could share this growing passion in me.
0: I, I have a feeling, having known you and watched you for, for many, many years and learned from you in my own early years of working on women's human rights, I think if you put your mind to it, uh, there is no question in my mind that there will be <laughs> a Lola revolution <laughs> on its way.
1: Yeah. I'm also quite hopeful that something will come out of this Uh, and do if you have any useful tools that you can share back you know please throw them at our direction and maybe at some point you can like have an online conversation with our with the group that I'll be forming here Because I think that would really be very inspiring for them to hear what you just described to me earlier about grandmothers in other countries. You know, we can do that online, you know.
0: Absolutely. I I do think that there is a growing global awareness of lolas, grandmothers, jajas, nyanyas, nanas all over the world who are, yeah. who are really critical to the way forward and to the improvement of the human condition. So I love that idea. So we'll make a date. And yeah,
1: let's make a date. Make a date. <laughs> it's good. It's good to have that very concrete thing that we can look forward to and build on. Give me, after summer, we'll have something, a roundtable table discussion with you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Perfect. I've got my deadline. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Edna. And I can see that you and I are going to be in close touch. And thank you so much. Thanks for listening. I'm Ilana Landsberg-Lewis, your host of Grandmothers on the Move. If you want to find out more about me or the podcast, go to grandmothersonthemove.com and come back next week for another episode.